Welcome to the Leadership After Hours podcast. Real talk with real leaders committed to creating better companies and a better world. Presented by Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits with your host, Sean Patton. We're so glad you found us here at the Leadership After Hours podcast. If you're finding value in this content, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. This helps us reach more people and spread the modern leadership movement. Also, you don't want to miss out on a single episode. So again, make sure you hit that subscribe button and share the Leadership After Hours podcast with your friends, your coworkers, and your family so we can push the movement of the modern leader forward. All right. Well, uh, welcome Amazon bestselling author, <laughs> Vincent Chiano, to the podcast. Appreciate Great it. to have you today. Uh, really cool story. Really enjoyed, you know, looking over your book and we've, you know, we went in and before this and started chatting and almost ran into podcast time. So I know we'll have a great conversation for the audience today, but uh, appreciate you traveling and, and coming here to Nashville and talking with me today. Yeah. It's terrible to come to Nashville. Let me tell you, it's, it's the worst. No, yeah, the city's beautiful. You really got to twist people's yeah, arms to get them here. Right? <laughs> I'm, I think my wife's worried about me coming back. So, um, but yeah, I appreciate you having me. This is, this is awesome, Sean. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Absolutely. And, and you, I said, you've got a, a, a great story. Um, I think a lot of great lessons and exciting stuff to look forward to. So, um, well, let's, let's kick off your, your book always forward. Right. Uh, in that you, you start off talking about being in this place of trying to discover purpose in your life and, uh, and it's sort of stumbling into your lap in an unconventional way right. uh, through this organ donation story. So uh, kind of tell me where you're at and how, how that initial story, you know, kind of came to, came to be. Yeah. Um, you know, organ donation is not a, a traditional goal. So <laughs> it wasn't something I even wanted to do the day that I agreed to do it. It was more that I started to become aware that I, I didn't, didn't have necessarily purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. And even that's a tough thing to explain. People ask like, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I, Try to answer it in the sense that purpose is like like oxygen. You can survive without it, even you know what the best free divers can do like three, four minutes. But but the less you have, the harder it becomes, and you just know that you're missing something. Mm-hmm. And um, I I I became aware of that, so I started to try and be more introspective and focus on things that I felt fulfilled in. And what I had in my current job was the relationships, and so. Um, I really focused on those, and we and we were in a specific position where we were helping uh, a friend of mine, a financial advisor, transition to retirement, mm. and that can feel like being put out to pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we tried to shift that to starting for him to look to the next chapter, and a big part of that for him was um, being a grandfather. You know, he's starting to picture the the. Um, crib and the the nursery in the home in Brevard and the whole retirement chapter. And, you know, we got close through chess. We talked about chess earlier, but a f- another coworker of mine had given me a chess board and she's since passed during COVID, but he literally moved the first piece. And uh, it was crazy metaphor, but from there, 20 minutes a day, I got to closer and closer to him. And we started to talk through what retirement would look like. And we got to the point where he signed the paperwork and moved to retirement. And, um, and then sadly, uh, his, his granddaughter was born still during childbirth. Mm. And I saw, you know, someone who was aware of looking for that next chapter and that purpose. I saw what that did to him. And so we kind of went through that together. And again, still looking and trying to figure out how I can do more, um, I'd say that and I honestly, it's more in a selfish way, looking for that fulfillment. 
And there's one specific day where I went to the doctor after a couple surgeries and both doctors told me they don't know each other separately, that I was fun to operate on. And I was O positive. Um, <laughs> yeah, f- fun to operate on. That's another thing along with uh, organ donor that, you know, a lot of eight-year-olds aren't writing down on no, there, what I want to be no. when I grow up. But yeah, no, I guess, I guess no. it's better than the, than the opposite, right? It's That's be correct. Like, by the way, man, you don't, man, you, you don't recover fast. Crap. Yeah. Man, you recover fast is good to hear. Um, but that same day I went into Mel's office and he was uh, especially struggling. And he told me that his daughter needed a liver or she was going to die. And she was O positive. Mm. And dude, like, that feeling, uh, when he told me that, it was like the question that I had been – I was given at least a temporary answer for the next month and, or year and a half. This is this is it. I have something I can focus on. Mm-hmm. And I talk about you know having a, needing to have a mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. So that was it for me. I, w- I would have paid him to do it, you know? And I, wow. y- I'm sure I – mean, knowing your background, you have a sense of duty, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted that. And I, I had it for a little while. So that's we, down the road we went. Wow. So there's so much to kind of unpack there. But let, let's – I actually want to take a step back a bit on that initial sort of search for purpose. Mm-hmm. So was that something that had always sort of in the back of your head? Was, what, was there, a, was there a, a trigger for that or like you're you know, over a few – some time – did it start to creep in and how did you realize that and what was going on in your life? Like, where did that, cause I feel like there's a lot of people at some stage of that. And so I'd love to hear kind of where you, where you were at and what your journey was uh, to even recognize that you didn't have it. I think we all, we all have a progression in our life. Mm-hmm. And I think another way to talk about that progression is what, how introspective you are, what questions you start to pay attention to, what you think is important, right? Think back to like the 20-year-old version of yourself, right? Or or whatever. And I just, along the way, I, I started to realize that the goals I set in my 20s, early 20s, mm-hmm. weren't the things that were going to sustain me for the rest of my life, right? I just need a six-figure, you know, if I could just get to a six-figure salary, like that's the brass ring, you know what I mean? And then you get there and... um you you need purpose. I, I think you and I talked about how we're we're tribal creatures, and mm-hmm. you know we I th- I would take that a step further to say we crave mentorship in some regard. And so I had a lot of those things, and then I lost a lot of those things, and it forced a really tremendous opportunity to start asking what I wanted, and not in a tangible way, but like like what what are you going to give to the world? What do you have to offer the world? Mm-hmm. And what makes you feel like? you know, you're adding value. And, um, I'm fortunate. I know people who've gone their whole lives without asking that question. I wish I was smarter and started to think that way earlier. Cause I think all the other pieces fall into place. Yeah. Um, and like, we'll talk about this journey, but out of it, I met my wife, you and I've talked about the law of attraction. Like mm-hmm. out of this, I met, started meeting tremendous people. It's funny how that works, right? You start yeah. sh- making big paradigm shifts in your life and you start to meet interesting people and, um, it was, I got on this roller coaster that I never wanted to get off of. Does yeah. that make sense? No, totally. And you know, I think that there's so much there in terms of, you know, th- that tribal piece and, 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 you know, what you're looking for, what you think is going to give you happiness. Right. And, you know, I think a key thing for a lot of people is, uh, they do exactly what you're talking about. And I feel like our society sets them up for that. Right. It's, it's always happiness is in the future. Right. Right. And, like, why did, why does happiness in the future until what happens until you make a hundred K 
Right. A lot of people make 100K. I don't know that many people that are fulfilled. Right. right. I know a lot of people that don't make 100K that are fulfilled. That's right. Um, so it's like, well, that now that's out the window. It's like, and and the marketing messages tell us, right? Well, you know, well, the, you know, the the younger girlfriend or boyfriend, the right. the, the better car, the faster right. car, the bigger house. Then then see those people in the commercial. Now you'll be happy. And then it's this, it's it's a lie in a sense, right? You get there and it's and it's. Still, I'm still well, now I'm not happy. I'm happy for a day, right? But not, I don't have that that lasting sense of fulfillment until, to your point, you know, and the tribal stuff that we had, you know, we had talked about before we even started rolling here, until you start thinking about impacting other people. Right. Well, which it, ties into that tribal element, right? So it's like that modern society telling us that, you know, any goal that is about you, that it sort of ends, it's like, well, I don't know. I, I always have the opinion that fulfillment can be felt in the moment. Like, you, you, That's you, right. We, it's 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 in all of us right now. You said you earlier, gives it. you energy. Like yeah. what gives, what you, gives energy? you energy? Yeah, that's right. And um, so I'm going to butcher the the publisher of this, but there's something called the Happiness Study, and I think it's Harvard Business Review, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. And you know, mark it up for inflation from wherever from whatever year I read it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was 80 grand. If you aren't happy mm-hmm. and you make 80 grand. 85 or 200, mm-hmm. it's not going to change things. Yeah. And I super, I think everyone should read that. I, th- I think that there's a component of that, that that's really, really, really important. I also think, and you, you mentioned this like kind of like generalized marketing that makes you think younger girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you start asking the right questions, whether you, you can't silo it to one portion of your life, mm-hmm. um, it bleeds into all of it. Um, and so, you know, for me, Another thing that I was going through is I had kissed a lot of frogs, right? I, I say I, dating life wasn't great, but I, was, I wasn't making the right choices there either. Mm-hmm. And so when I started down this path in, the, you know, to an organ donation and an introspection and trying to figure out what made me feel fulfilled, um, other parts of my life started to course correct as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's, it happens inherently because what's most important to you will be right in front of you. And you kind of get blinders for all the, the BS that, that could come. Yeah. I think there's a, a couple of things that you said. One, the fact that, uh, you know, if you're unsure about what your purpose is supposed to be, which, you know, or you're exploring right. it, uh, a good indicator is what gives you energy. I right. It's a great point, you know? And then also, you know, once you found it, you almost became sort of obsessed with it, right? Like you, right. Said, you, you just mentioned, I, I love the analogy of those blinders, right? right. It's like, well, if, if uh, if if you're unable to focus on something, or it doesn't, if it's not giving you energy, if it's draining you, and you get distracted by a bunch of other things, right? Maybe it's maybe an indicator that what you're chasing, you know, isn't going to provide that long term fulfillment. So now we have these like, you know, I know you're uh, you're in finance and well, right. right? Hey, what what are the leading indicators, right? Leading yeah. and trailing indicators, exactly. So it's like, how do key we know early on? Yeah, yeah key performance yeah. indicators, and 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 what's that leading one that tells you beforehand that well, I'm on the right path, right? Because right. we sort of need that. That azimuth check yeah. of 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 what's what's pulling me in what direction, what's guiding me in in a certain way, and I think those are two great indicators as you start to try things of what's going there, and then maybe to, to give it a trinity there of about it has to be about impacting other people. That's my firm belief uh, is that you know fulfillment is about impacting other people um, and not about short term goals, and I think it's also in a sense about the process as opposed to. And any end goal, right? I mean, yeah. life life is nothing but a process. The experience, the experience. Yeah, I know in your book, that was one thing I, I highlighted in your, in your book. You, you know, you, and I'm gonna, I don't want to butcher it. So you tell me if I, I mess up the sentence, but you know, basically to the sense that, uh, in that 
we all, nobody wins at life, right? Like no. the end, you know? And no. that's one of my, that's one of my favorite, you know, phrases, memento mori, right? Remember right. death. That gives death, that gives it, it value being, you know, supply and demand, right? right. Um, and so looking at this whole thing as there is no, it's not the, it's there not the trophy, is. There, yeah. it's not a thing. It's really about being on the journey right. is really where fulfillment comes in. Is that, re- is that kind of what yeah, you're that, with your book? You know? you know, it's, so donate the liver, so I, let me let me do one thing. Yeah. Let me explain this because we said yeah, donate and, liver and, and talk about the process a bit yeah, too. Because so, also, I'm like, you only got one of those. So, so, <laughs> so I have had some I have had some people correct me in the way I say this, okay. but this is how I say it. So you donate a portion of your liver, and if you mm-hmm. can picture your liver, if that's a thing that normal okay. people say, <laughs> um, you have two bile ducts that kind of go like this, okay. and each side is a left and right lobe, okay. and it feeds into your intestines. In between, I think, is the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. But they will take a portion of your liver, mm-hmm. harvesting as much or as needed while taking a bile duct so it can service the, mm-hmm. the recipient, leaving you one. Mm-hmm. Your body regenerates what's taken. In my case, and I think in most people's cases, 80% of what's taken out regenerates in the first two weeks. And I don't know that men spend a lot of time thinking about their like internal organs, you know, (laughs) obviously with our different anatomy, I think some women do, but the, um, I was aware of it because you have so much negative space. Mine actually grew like forward more than backward. Yeah. And you're aware that your body's working overtime. There's yeah, some you pretty, can feel that, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, when you get like any, you know, major surgery or like, you know, a broken arm or, you know, or something like that, like, yeah, you, you can see how much more rest you need as your body yeah. starts to go. That's yeah. So, and I think that, what a crazy story. So let's not skip over that um, because we could say in this sort of like metaphysical, uh, you know, inspirational space or talking about life goals, all that. But yeah, you know, if you want to hear, so, so let's go back now to your uh to, to mel right is your coworker, right yeah and, yeah and his he tells you his daughter uh, is gonna die she doesn't get a liver yeah you offer to do that and then what happens uh i think he was skeptical <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of people were yeah. um that was interesting telling people um i got a lot of crazy looks but i felt like I, in a vacuum i was like i i wasn't in a serious relationship at the time didn't have kids uh, what op- awesome opportunity to be able to just make this decision. So I knew I was going to do it. Um, and the limiting factors, as far as I understand, not a doctor. So all this is through my experience <laughs> yeah, yeah. is, um, we'll put a disclaimer. In yeah. The, yeah. Neither one of us are doctors. In case you can't tell by looking at me. <laughs> um, no, like Shaq can't give his liver to a baby, right? There's just, the, yeah. you know, it does, it doesn't fit, but Shaq's then, liver is a yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then there's the, um, the, Blood type. Besides that, the recipient has a lot of risk in terms of rejecting it, mm-hmm. but that's that's it. I think kidney is more complicated. There's a couple other things that happen okay. to make sure that donor and recipient are a good pair. But for me, I knew it could happen, um, and I, I, I just – it was like my Super Bowl. I, I was excited. I had um, – I didn't know Sally, and I had just seen what Mel had gone through. So I had one condition, and it was that Mel gets to be a grandfather. So like adopt, whatever, obviously if this works and, um, you know, a year and a half later, she gave, she had a kid and, you know, it's kind of giving away the end of the story, but, um, you know, we got a million jokes now about me giving her an organ and now she has a baby and all this other stuff, but it's just this awesome, just, it's it's crazy thing, man, you know, and, and, um, 
so what comes out of that, right? What, what do you get from that? Besides this roller coaster experience, my wife in the hospital, this, my girlfriend is taking care of me. And that started to feel like an insult. I'm talking about through like ketamine overdose, mm. uh, you know, all types of stuff. So I planned the proposal on the hospital roof wow. and we came back and I became an instant father to a nine-year-old girl and she's the coolest person on the planet. I'm sad to say she's probably my best friend. <laughs> and um, now we have an you know eight-week-old daughter named Marlo and all the business things that have come out of this. And so to tie this back into like, you know, leadership after hours, right? What does that mean? What, what do you take away? How do you bring that in into yourself as a leader? Right. I had a very, very personal beta test on what happens when you start to pay attention to internal motivators instead of external motivators. And when you start to kind of formulate your own mission statement, right? and then you look and you're like, well, shit, I'm going to apply this to everything, you know? Mm, yeah. And that's when the book came. I was like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> and um, I didn't, it was 84,000 words. And I told you it now it yeah, is 36,000. That's, that's, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Of yeah. And, you know, you edit and pull everything out. And it starts with me running with the bulls in Pamplona and get coming home and starting to have that first realization that while that was a great trip, it was an escape from reality and not mm -hmm. a, you know, a purpose fulfilling thing. And I was grateful for it. But I'm going, asking going the wrong questions. It, when you, yeah, when you were like going into the, that running with the bulls in Pamplona, in your head, it's like, there's another challenge. So that's so right. in your head, you know, you're like, this is kind of a purpose. Right. This is doing but right. it's a perfect example of a, of a, of a consistent mistake that you mm. see achievers make. Like yeah. you're picking something to do, but why? Like, what? how does this align? Mm -hmm. And I saw, and I, I don't know which branch of the military, um, but there's a guy who you can look up. And mm -hmm. I, um, I think his last name is Ramirez. Okay. Um, he's, he was blind mm -hmm. and he had been become blind, uh, in, in service. And he was doing these incredible things all over the world. And, you know, people who served with him were going to help him. I think he had climbed K2. Oh, wow. I bump into this dude before we're about to run. And I, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm running with the bulls, you know, I got, and then, uh, he's about to run blind and like, there's real purpose there, right? Because yeah. all these guys are giving time to help him live and carry out all the things he, that he wanted to carry out in his life. I mean, what an inspiration he is. Yeah. And I, I could not stop thinking about him. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was another thing that you, you just, you hold on to these little vignettes. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's where you talked about experience. That's mm -hmm. where these experiences can make you better, but you have to pay attention, which right. goes back to starting to ask yourself the right questions. Having that right perspective. You look Correct. And funny, um, you know, we didn't even talk about this. Uh, I ran with the bulls too. We you even, did? Yeah, I did. Uh, we, uh, we didn't even get to that. Um, I want to hear about that. I don't know <laughs> if it's not here. We'll talk about uh, it yeah. later. Well, but, no, so my, mine was uh, definitely. Did you make it into the arena? We made it into the arena. Okay. Uh, and then in your book too, you talk about how you didn't research what happens when, when you get in the arena, right? Huge so I didn't mistake. either. Yeah. Huge mistake. So, you know, uh, if you're going with the bulls, okay. L <laughs> start listening now. Yes. Um, yes. Because they don't tell you this, but yeah. So I actually went with two of my buddies, uh, in 2007. Okay. Um, we were both lieutenants. We we're all infantry lieutenants. Sure. 101st airborne division. And we were going to our Iraq during the surge Southwest Baghdad for 14 months. Okay. Um, and we kind of had that, you know, you, you always assume you're going to come home. I mean, it's not like you go there like, well, man, but 
It's in the back of your head, you know. Um, so if I, it was my first time to combat. And so this uh, was your, before your first time before my first time. Okay. Yeah, I was 24. Um, okay. Okay. New Lieutenant. I was our infantry rifle platoon leader and me and the two other guys. And we, uh, we did a little Euro trip and we went to Greece and we partied in Mykonos and Eos. You did Mykonos and, and we, we did Ibiza. Oh, did you? Okay. There yeah, you go. Yeah, so, same, same thing. thing. Different place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we partied a bit and then, uh, went to Madrid and then went to Pamplona and run with the Bulls. But yeah, so you, you know, you, that is a, that's a crazy experience. You run, it's, it's packed and then you get in the arena and you just think you're done. And then that yeah, I don't, I'll let you explain. Then then what happens, right? I want to hear your experience when you got in yeah. The, well, uh, arena. so I want I will come back. I want to ask you a question before okay, though. Cool. So did you not find it eerily quiet right before mm-hmm. it started? Like, and I haven't been in combat, mm-hmm. but like you know that quiet. It's almost too quiet feeling. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I ever had that. And everyone is staring at that wire where the camera right. zips across because mm-hmm. that's an indicator and mm-hmm. listening for the first rocket shot. And, um, I mean, everyone was freakishly quiet and then the first rocket hit and everyone's just like that. But when you get into the arena, so it's kind of like a feather in your cap, if you can make it into the arena, right? right? Because when the last bull goes through, they slam the door shut. So you want to be thoughtful about where you stand so you can make Mm -hmm. it and, you know, you don't want to cut out dead man's curve Mm because you want the blood sport of it all. If you're like us and, Mm -hmm. and, um, but when we get in, we thought it was over to your point and we're celebrating, these crazy people let each bull out, back out. And he comes out of the chute hot. I don't know if you saw, but people lay down in front of it and let him jump over. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I saw the craziest stuff. And yeah, it was, to your point too, I'm just like, wait a minute, what's going on? And there was, there was enough people and I was kind of far enough away. The first one came in and I'm like, what is, what's going on over there? And I yeah. started looking, I'm like, wait a minute, there's another, there's another bull, there's what a bull is, in what here. What is happening? And then he's running around. I'm like, what? what's going on? And then uh, it was crazy. And then I started to realize what happened. I asked somebody and yeah, the same thing. You see the, you know, you see the crazy guys. I had like one guy, you know, was, it would run him. He would jump over it. Yeah. He would jump up and go underneath him. Uh, I saw one, one person got hit and like thrown into the stand. Yes. And another guy looked down and hit a gash. You're like, you could see his kneecap because he got gored in the leg. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, and then, you know, they have like the first wall you can hide behind. Right. And then right. the wall where you, then you're out. Right. And then you can see, and yeah, sit you can see and it all. So we, you know, so it was this whole thing where it's this whole machismo mentality, right? Like how That's long right. do you stay in? Right? That's right. And uh, so we were running and I started feeling what's going on. And then, you know, I jumped around the first one. I'm like, oh, you know, it'll be all right. And then, uh, I, I got on, like I've did, I've done my part. So I jumped out. That's right. We jumped out and we're like, okay, we're done. And then we're like, before we climb out fully though, and then, <laughs> and this is going to sound, I don't want, I don't want to sound sexist or something, but you know, as this 24 year old infantry guys, right. Sure. We're all big about ourselves. And then we're like, man, all right, that was cool. We've done it. And then it had to be like a 16 year old girl just come screaming by with a bull, like hitting it with a thing. And I'm like, right. Son of a bitch. So I'm like, not going to go back <laughs> yeah. in, you know, so we were back in a bit. And then uh, I had one, uh, I had one close call. So they were, uh, cause you know, you got to hit it with the newspaper, right? You, yeah. you got to touch it to show like your, your courage or whatever. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to, there was this guy getting in front of it and it was the bull would run up, you know, run up, he'd jump over it. And I'm like, okay, here's my chance because the bulls, you know, gives a little stompy thing before lowers his head. Somebody's going to make fun of me for saying stompy thing, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the technical stompy term. Thing. Okay. Yeah. I think that's Spanish. Too. It, yeah. Um, that's just how it translates. And so I'm like, well, as it gets ready to go, I can, I can hit it from the side. Right. So I'm sure. like, I'm strategizing how I'm going to do it. And so I kind of get there and it starts running by. I'm like, as it runs by, I'm going to hit it. And uh, I think the guy like moved too quick or somebody else caught his eye. So then like mid run it, jump over guy, it goes like screeches to a halt and just stops and looks 
the direction because like somebody else had right. whatever shiny object and then i was like okay i'm done now and so i just like <laughs> i just ran and jumped over the fence i was like no i'm done so because i, I got in and i was like i'm gonna do this i didn't understand yeah. no one explained the newspaper thing yeah, yeah no one but then what i saw is it's it's never the dude messing with the bull that gets hit <laughs> he like leads him into four people that get drilled yeah and um by the way check this video out josh norman you know the cornerback yeah there's videos of him. He went and ran with the Bulls while he was still in like the prime of his career in the middle of like massive contracts, yeah. jumping clean over the bull completely. And it just made, it just made yeah. I was up here. He just made me feel. Oh, uh, like, I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so, not going to be permanent. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Josh I didn't Norman, know you, but, ran, you ran yeah, with the Bulls. Yeah. So I did that as well. And I was, and it was, it was a really cool experience for me, um, you know, and, and, and one I'm glad I, I did. And it is a, that the festival there, um, San Fermin, the festival, then right. just like the people, it was a crazy, it, it was one of those things that definitely also, I didn't get to travel a lot as a, as a kid. I grew up a single mom, sure. grew up kind of poor. Um, and so it was one of my first times out of the country. Um, I think it was, it was my first time to Europe and, and to go to see those like big world cultural festivals was really impactful for me, really eye opening to just, I think it's, that's why I think travel and that's what culture is, is, yeah, it's just such a, you're like, oh, there's, there's more than one way to do this thing. And that's sort of a, a beginning point to get to, there's more than one ways to do these things. Maybe I don't need to do, maybe I don't need to live my life in one way, the way people are telling me or the way society no. says that there is, you have so much more to learn and there's, there's, there's no one right way to do this thing called life. Well, I always tell my daughter, you can't simulate perspective. No. And that's why I love traveling for cultural experiences, right? I mean, with your background, like, you know, you all know all about cultural immersion yeah. and different perspectives and trains of thought. But I think that, I mean, taking it back to leadership, right? All this stuff can be interwound, but if you can have, most often a good leader should have the best perspective in terms mm -hmm. of they can see things from everyone that they're leading, yeah. their, their perspective then they can make the decision mm -hmm. and i think as americans we we tend to be a little myopic that way i think that's a great point and uh i definitely am not done talking and so <laughs> what i want to do now is just say you know i'm sure we're going to split this into two parts so yeah. we're going to wrap up here um with this first part which is an awesome story um and uh but don't worry uh we will have part two because i think your segue here and we'll get right into leadership okay great if you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and share the Leadership After Hours podcast with your network. The world is crying out for leaders of character, and people deserve to be led well. We all need to build businesses that develop people and profit. If you know a great leader that needs to be on the podcast, please reach out to us and our podcast producer, Aaron, will get back to them. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N at S-L-S-P dot biz. For a better tomorrow, build a new leader today.